What is your excitement level? How much anticipation do you have for Team USA and the 2022 World Cup? It doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be a combination. And maybe the combination of the two pushes you over the mark and you're 10 plus. We've given you the zero option. We've given you 10 plus because Qatar is hosting the World Cup in mere days. And Team USA has identified its 26-man roster. It's young. (laughs) Not even 26 years old, the average age. But that doesn't mean that they won't be able to shock the world. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. I voted for 10+. plus. I'm off the charts excited. I also snuck into our CBS Sports Radio Twitter account and made the network account vote for 10+, plus as well. Ha! I am stuffing ballot boxes, y'all. We are live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need cash out of your home and a simple way to get it, Rocket can. So find our polls, all of our polls, all of our fun questions and videos. They originate from our show account. I'm not nearly that interesting. Uh, So follow our show account after our CBS and then our Facebook page too. We're going to gauge your interest over the next day or so. And I know the last time I was here, I was asking you because we're at the midway point, please fill in the blank at the halfway mark of the NFL season. The best part is what? All right. Lots of responses, hundreds of them on our social media. And then I just bolted. I left you high and dry on Tuesday night, our hump show. I was uh, I was otherwise engaged. And so we'll get to some of those answers as well. We've got a, a QB news time too. So a pair of QB news proper grammar, of course. Uh, and we've also got a little more from the NBA. So we're stuffing, not just the ballot box, but stuffing the show full here on CBS Sports Radio. When we have the chance to catch up with a former NFL QB, it's always fun to pick his brain. So Trent Green of the CBS NFL family with Kevin Harlan every week on a TV set and a broadcast near you and a longtime NFL QB joining us from Kansas City. Trent, we play goofy games with our listeners, and we would like to ask you to fill in the blank as well. At the halfway point, the NFL season is what? Crazy. It definitely is that. So what makes this one particularly crazy? You look at how some of the the teams, you know, you would never predict that Green Bay would be in this position. Uh, I don't think anybody predicted uh, the Jets or the Seattle Seahawks would be in this position. Um, you know, I think, I think there's, you know, the number of close games we've had, the number of double digit comebacks we've had, the number of, uh, you know, just amazing finishes and, and the NFC East, the AFC East, the way that they're set up, um, and, and how well all those teams are doing. But then you look at how poorly, you know, everybody thought so highly of, uh, you know, the AFC West and what was going to happen there. And yeah, the Chiefs are having a good year, but, but what's happened to everybody else and why, you know, they're still halfway to go. But, uh, you know, that, that division along with the NFC West is not, you know, what we thought those divisions would be. So there's been a lot of, when I say crazy, it's because of that. I, th- I think it's just because, you know, coming into the season, you have your predictions and you think this is what's going to happen. And then inevitably, you know, stuff different <laughs> happens and, uh, and it, goes, it goes all haywire. Why is that? Why does that happen every year in the NFL where roughly half the playoff field turns over? I think there's a couple of factors that weigh into it, like logically. Uh, number one is the teams that stay healthy, the teams that have a bunch of injuries, 
that usually sways the direction that you're going to go. Um, I think the other thing is strength of schedule. Mm. I think that, uh, you know, you look at the opponents you're playing and, and you got to beat the opponents you're supposed to beat. And you're supposed to, you know, kind of go 50-50 on the ones that are toss-ups. Um, I think we've seen some things that are different than that this year, uh, definitely. <laughs> Um, but then when you start getting into the flow of it, it's, it's okay. Hey, uh, Devonte Adams is going to the Raiders and they made the playoffs last year. So Devonte Adams is the missing piece. They're going to be incredible. Well, you got to take into account they're implementing, you know, a, a new coach, new coaching style, uh, new offense, new defense. Everything is completely different. And we're basically starting from scratch and everybody's got to learn it over. And, and, so I think some of those things, I think there's a learning curve there. I think that uh, the development of players like uh, Jalen Hurts, the way that he's playing, I think everybody thought he was going to be a good player. I didn't know if they thought he'd be as good of a player as he is right now and, and how quickly he's been able to adapt to what Sirianni's doing, the offense that he's put in and the way that they've, uh, the way that they've been able to dominate on defense, the personnel moves that they've made. I mean, we could sit here and go across the league with the different teams and, and, point out the the different subtleties that have happened throughout the course of the season and uh and i think that's what that's why people love the nfl that's why they they, you know everybody's got a chance right it's you never know until you know training camp gets going and week one happens and you know and i I think that's why that's why the nfl is the is the uh, the best professional sport going and, and why people love it so much it is astounding, though, how sometimes the pieces fall into place quickly and other times they do not. For instance, Kevin O'Connell steps in with the Vikings. They're now 7-1, and one, and and there's no more asking whether or not they're legit or it's a fluke. I mean, they are playing really well on both sides of the ball. Brian Dayball with the New York Giants. But then you have other situations where it doesn't fall into place that quickly. Let's talk about a team, though, that's struggling, Trent. I'd love to get your opinion because the Green Bay Packers are trying everything. They're trying everything. We hear Matt LaFleur talk about it, Aaron Rodgers. We know that they're tweaking. They've obviously got some injuries. Have you ever been in a situation like that where you're just working on it and working on it and it's not producing results? Unfortunately, in 15 years, I was on a couple of bad football teams. So, yes, I know I know what's <laughs> going on. I know, uh, you know, when expectations are high and just things aren't clicking, um, I remember reflecting back on those seasons. Yes, there were a few injuries that impacted things. Sometimes it was, gosh, we just can't catch a break. You know, we get a penalty at the wrong time. We get a uh, a turnover at the wrong time. We give up a big play. I mean, it's it's frustrating, and you and you want to do everything right. The coaches, you know, there, there's this mentality and mindset where it's like, okay, we do what we do. We're going to stick with it, and we don't. We're not going to change. We're not going to adapt because. This is our style. We know it works. We're just going to implement it. We're going to work through the grind. You're going to work. You know, that's just what you do. Uh, sometimes that works, and sometimes it leads to a lot of people getting fired. Mm. And then there's other times where you're like, okay, listen, we've done it this way, where we've done really light practices. So now we're going to come out in pads. We're going to practice hard. We're going to practice longer. We're going to put more time. You know, m- make it harder and try and get it turned around. Or we're going to, you know, what we're going to. We're going to make it more fun. Today, we're, we're not going to do pads, and we're going to just wear T-shirt and shorts and do a walkthrough and, you know, let's go play paintball or movies. Or, I mean, it's just, you know, <laughs> you try and find something to get it, uh, to get it changed. Uh, over the course of time and over the course of history in the league, there's been arguments for both of those ways to try and change things up. And, and you know, during the course of the season, uh, it's hard to make change because it's only, you know, there's only so many games and there's only so much amount of time to get it in. Uh, that uh, that it's hard to make those changes, but 
you got to find a way because you never know. You could be a team, you know, go back a year ago, the Raiders, uh, after all the stuff that they had going on, Basaccia comes in, they're sitting there six and seven, right? They're nowhere near the playoffs at six and seven. They win their last four games, including that crazy game with the Chargers at the end of the season. <laughs> they make it into the playoffs and, and really had a, had a chance to beat the Bengals early on in that opening game where, you know, that kind of changes the landscape of the whole playoffs and, and maybe changes what happens with Rich Basaccia and that staff. So, you know, uh, you just stick with your plan and you, you try and get things turned around. Hmm. We're spending a few minutes with Trent Green, former NFL QB, and now with CBS and CBS Sports Network with Monday QB. It's after hours on CBS Sports Radio. Lots of CBS in there. How much can it make a difference or how much of a turning point can it be when a team that's struggling, like the Buccaneers, has a win like they did on Sunday in that final minute? You know, that can that – can and this is going to be cliche, but it can, it can change the course of a season, right? It can literally, and, and it was interesting hearing, um, hearing Aaron Rodgers a week ago, um, even before this last loss, all we need is just one win. If we can just yes. find a way to win one game, maybe that can turn things around. Maybe that changes the vibe in the locker room, the vibe around the building, the, the intensity of the workouts in the, in the weight room. Um, the attention to detail that goes on in practices and meetings. One win like that can really uh, can really have a big impact. And uh, not that Tom Brady hasn't been through it before, but a lot of guys on that team, there's young guys on the team, there's inexperienced guys on the team. You know, it gets tiring after a while. So a win like that can, can have a big impact. Uh, we've seen some teams already make coaching changes, and the big shocker this week is the Indianapolis Colts, who let go of Frank Reich. He's indicated he wants to coach again, had a winning record while he's with the Colts, just some strange quarterback situations, and obviously they've started out in a in a tough spot. But Jim Irsay brings in a guy who certainly is respected around the league, but has zero coaching experience. How do you think that plays with a locker room, Trent? Well, that's going to be the interesting thing because uh, Kevin Kevin Harlan, Melanie Collins, and myself—that's that's our crew. That's the ah! game we have, and, and uh, we're going to be talking with Coach Saturday and uh, <laughs> and with Parks Frazier, the new play caller, and uh, Gus Bradley, the defensive coordinator, and we're going to be asking them all those questions because uh, you know Frank Reich—he was the four full seasons he was there. They made the play the playoffs two of the four seasons. Um, of course, this year didn't go well and. A lot of it had to do the, the play of the offense and the play of Matt Ryan, uh, but they've had a different quarterback every year that Frank's been there. I think Frank's a good coach. I think he has a good temperament. I think guys play hard for him. I think he understands the league. Longtime coach, longtime player. Uh, I think he will eventually get another opportunity. Uh, I don't know when that'll be or where that'll be, but I think he will get another opportunity. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the team reacts. Um, you know, when you bring in – I was an, was an analyst a few days ago, mm. um, and then all of a sudden, you know, oh, you haven't coached at the professional level, you haven't coached at the collegiate level, you had a couple years coaching in high school, but you've been an analyst now, and now all of a sudden you're going to lead the football team. Yes, he's had tremendous success, won Super Bowls, went to Pro Bowls, wasn't all pro. Uh, it'll, it just, in the middle of the season, to be thrown into that situation, and then all of a sudden, you know, from a play calling standpoint, you're picking a guy that's never called plays and he's only been a coach for a couple of seasons. Believe me, Amy, I'm, I'm going to ask all those questions. I, like, <laughs> it, I don't know how many they're going to tell us because whether they, they want it on the broadcast, but, you know, all those things are going to be asked here over the next few days when we get a chance to talk with them and, uh, and try and hear from the players. You know, usually 
I've been on teams where they change coaches during the season, and I've talked with teams, you know, before uh, in my broadcasting career where they've changed coaches during the season. And generally the comment you get from players is, listen, I've got to do my job. Uh, it's this team and 31 other teams that are looking at the tape. And if I want to stay in this league, I got to do my job. I got to play hard. I got to be prepared. I got to be a pro. I got to understand how to, how to handle my business. And most guys have that mindset because they like being in the NFL. They like the money that they make in the NFL. They like, uh, <laughs> they like playing football and, uh, and the guys that don't, they generally don't last in the league very long. So I'm sure that's going to be in a roundabout way. That's going to be the answer we get from a bunch of the players. You're an analyst. You played in the NFL and, and logged a bunch of years there. But could you imagine being in Jeff's situation where all of a sudden you have to stand there on the sidelines and tell people what to do? <laughs> it's, uh, you know, for a long time prior to me getting into uh, into TV and radio and, and everything I've done. So this is my 14th year in broadcasting and and I played for 15 so when I my long time playing for for a lot of years, I thought I would get into coaching, uh-huh. uh, and then the, and then the media opportunity came up for me, and that provides a better family lifestyle that I was looking for than what coaching <laughs> lifestyle does. So I've envisioned myself being a coach, and I've talked about being a coach for a lot of years. As a quarterback, I was always big into game management in terms of understanding the clock, understanding timeouts, understanding four minute drills, both offense and defense uh, defense. Uh, drive starters at the beginning of the game or beginning of the series to get things going. You know, I've, I've always kind of put that hat on, even as an analyst, as, as kind of been as a coach. So I know where Jeff is right now. I know that um, even though he didn't play quarterback as an offensive lineman, as a center, you're kind of the you're kind of the quarterback of the offensive line. And we've all seen by now the the videos of he and Peyton Manning going at it <laughs> on the sidelines, uh, which are great videos, by the way. Um, you know, I think I think he's going to handle it well. And, and you just, from an outside standpoint, it maybe looks a little off from a game management, timeout, all those kinds. I think he will handle it well. I think the thing that he's going to probably have to make some adjustments to is, is the demands on his time as a head coach. I think that's one of the things that we've uh, we've learned over the years uh, or I've learned over the years talking to the new head coaches that have, have taken over different teams and the ones that have taken over this year is instead of just doing X's and O's, now you've got a certain number of hours every day you're dealing with media, you're dealing with public, <laughs> uh, you're, uh, the, you know, the team doctors to find out the health of the team, you're dealing with ownership, you're dealing with GMs and personnel moves, you're dealing with, hey, guess what, my baby's sick and now i got to go to the hospital so I'm going to miss this one hour, I'm going to be late to this because i got to run over here to the dentist because my kid's got, you know, it's like, there's other stuff going on as a head coach that you maybe didn't have to handle in, in other situations. So I look forward to talking to Jeff, although he may he may need a nap instead of talk to us um, this week um, because of all the things that have been dumped in his lap. I think that is amazing. We end up with Trent Green <laughs> when you and Kevin Arlen and Melanie have the Colts. So this is right in your wheelhouse. And yes, it'll be interesting to hear your observations come Sunday. Now, hang on. You're in Kansas City. We can't have a guest from Kansas City without talking about Patrick Mahomes. And right now on NFL Network, the game between the Titans and the Chiefs is playing out again. It's Fourth quarter, he's about to show us his Mahomes magic. Trent Green with us from CBS. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast.
Mahomes stepping up. He's going to scramble 15. He's at the 10. Cuts back inside the 5. Mahomes rolls into the end zone. Touchdown! Kansas City! A 14-yard scramble for a touchdown. Mahomes kept this drive alive with a 20-yard scramble, and now he gives the Chiefs a chance to maybe tie it on a two-point conversion. Here's the snap. Mahomes back to pass. Looking, moving left. Mahomes going to try to run again. He's in. Two-point conversion to tie the game. Patrick Mahomes racing out to the left, converts, and we're knotted up. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. I just watched it once again on my TV, NFL Network, re-airing Titans and Chiefs and That's Ryan Radke on Westwood One from Sunday Night Football. Not only did we get the 20-yard scamper on third and 17, but we also end up with the touchdown run after there were multiple flags. So uh, it's Patrick Mahomes, and it's the type of game from Patrick, or at least the last drive from Patrick, coupled with what we saw from Tom Brady and the game-winning drive, the 55th of his career. This is the kind of stuff the NFL digs. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, We've got our poll up about the World Cup, and I know it's the other kind of football, but this is the grandest stage in all of sports across the world, and it's taking place in Qatar coming up in just a few days. So check out our poll. We're wanting to gauge your level of excitement. You don't need to be snarky. Uh, no need to send us gifts about how you're falling asleep or watching paint dry or anything like that. Um, but we'll, we will uh, take your level of excitement. So we're having a bit of a technical difficulty, unfortunately, with Trent. Uh, so we're going to reconvene with Trent as soon as we can. Sorry about that. Um, part of the beauty of live radio. But in the meantime, as I say, you can take our poll. You can find me on Twitter, A Law Radio, or on our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. I definitely will not start doing play-by-play of Pat running in from the half-yard line on what was the two-point conversion that tied the game against the Titans. Uh, We still have a couple of hours left until Week 10 kicks off, but it kind of blows me away that we are looking at Week 10 in the NFL. And you may or may not have heard this, but the league has flexed. It's that time of the year again. The league is flexing. And yes, I do mean it's muscles in addition to flexing games in and out of primetime spots. But this is the time of the league where or the time that the NFL kind of reminds everyone we are the big bads on the block. We're the bully. And don't even think that you can compete with us because we've got matchups like Chiefs and Chargers. So it's been moved into primetime in week 11. So it's coming up. It was uh, supposed to be a game between the Bengals and Steelers, week 11, prime time. Instead, that matchup will move. It will get booted by the Chiefs and the Chargers, week 11. So, yes, I don't know if we're going to get the wish of one Dan Campbell, head coach of the Detroit Lions, who said in preseason, I guess that would have been going back to hard knocks with the Lions, uh, when he said that, Who says we can't get flexed, right? Talking about how the Lions were the only team that did not have a primetime game. It may still happen. 
if they can rack up a few more wins like they did against the Green Bay Packers, well, it might happen. Uh, But for now, we know that the league has been heavy on the NFC West, the AFC West, in part because of all the moves that were made uh, and the fact that these teams were supposed to be really competitive with the big star power just hasn't happened uh, with teams like the Raiders and the Broncos, obviously. So we're going to get you set for week 10. We think we have gotten Trent Green back. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. He's a 15-year quarterback in the NFL and also a longtime analyst with CBS and partners with Kevin Harlan on their broadcast. So, uh, Trent, we talked about Jeff Saturday and what you're going to see this weekend and what you're going to hear from the new Colts interim head coach. But you're in Kansas City, so we've got to talk about Patrick Mahomes. Uh, and this is a guy who really defies the art of quarterback. In fact, he turns it into an art all of his own. It's very abstract at times. There may be no other quarterback like him. When you watch him go through a game-winning drive, like what he executed against the Titans with his ability to extend plays and to create on the fly, what goes through your mind? It's phenomenal, and and I've uh, living in Kansas City. I also do the Chiefs preseason games, so I've I've done them now for um, gosh, it'd be thirteen years. So I've been around training camp, and get, and I remember watching him as a rookie, even though it was Alex Smith's team, and that right. was like, okay, this guy's got a little bit different style. I don't know if it's going to be able to click or work, um, just because you see a lot of throwing across your body, throwing the opposite side of the field when you're running one direction, throwing the other way. Uh, dropping your arm down and sidearm, you know, you see some of that stuff, but to do some of the things that he's doing and at a consistently high level, you know, initially you see, and you're like, okay, he got away with that one. Okay. Yeah. He got away with that one. Oh, he got away with another one. And then eventually you start saying, well, maybe he's going to get away with all these. Maybe he's going to get, you know, he's going to break the mold on, on what quarterback, uh, what defines quarterback play. And, and um, what I try and tell young quarterbacks and, and ones that I get an opportunity to talk to, talk with and be around is everybody wants to be Patrick Mahomes now, but don't do that. That's that falls outside <laughs> the framework of what normal quarterback play is. He, you know, he had the unique ability and, and I've asked him this during the preseason telecast that for him, he approaches a lot of it like baseball. He's like, you know, he was a middle infielder. So he was, you know, it's no different than turning two to try and get a double play. He's like, you know, I don't really think about it when I'm rolling to my left and I drop down and I throw a sidearm underneath the arm of the defensive end back across the other way to a running back that's on a drag route that may be trailing me by 10 yards, and I land on the wrong foot, my body, my body. He's like, I don't think of that any differently than if I was getting a baseball and I was going the other way and I had to get it over to first. You know, so he's just thinking of it a different way and, and throwing on different platforms. Now, because of the success he's had, there are a lot of quarterbacks around the league that practice that now. They spend all offseason off-platform, throwing off different angles, throwing at different you know velocities and speeds and those kinds of things. So he's really changed the way the league the, the, the league approaches quarterback play, and uh, he's definitely unique and and just keeps setting record after record. It's a little bit like the Steph Curry phenomenon in the NBA. Uh, you don't want people to try to be Steph Curry because there's only right. one Steph. So it's like, here's what not to do, except, wow, he's dazzling. But don't be like yeah. him. <laughs> That's a great comparison. I, you know, I hadn't thought of it that way because his, remember when he first came in and, and like his shooting style, you know, just how quick it was and how, yes. you know, it was like, I'm taking this. and It's almost like a flip from the waist. And he's also got this little <laughs> thing where he catches and all. It's almost like a long – I mean, his shot is so unique. 
but he does it so many millions of times that for him it's no big deal when you know when he's sinking a ball from half court or sinking a ball from you know five feet across the mid court line and and it's like oh okay he made it seem normal so now <laughs> everybody tries doing it even even seven footers go out to the three and, and try thinking they're just going to flip it up there so I am a big big advocate of of reps right if, if you're going to do that kind of stuff you better rep it. Um, thousands and thousands, maybe even millions of times just to uh, to get it to be that consistent. But uh, yeah, that's a great comparison. Thank you. One of the interesting things about this season is that we're going to get games in Germany for the first time. And certainly the London series continues this weekend. We've got the Buccaneers who are in a strange spot. We've talked about them a little bit, but also the Seattle Seahawks who are sitting on top of the NFC West. I know you mentioned that division as a surprise. Pete Carroll clearly is the key to that team, but man, the faith he had in Geno Smith, they've seen so much turnover and yet they're a contender. How is that happening? Give the credit to Pete Carroll and, and give the credit to the players, the work they've put in. Uh, you can't say enough about team chemistry. And right now, when you watch that sideline, when you watch the way they interact with each other, I mean, the chemistry is incredible. Gino's playing uh, better than he's ever played his, his entire career. Sometimes as a quarterback, or any player for that matter, when you've had enough years in the league and you've been able to experience enough things, you have a good plan about how you want to approach it. Hey, if I were to ever get this opportunity again, this is how I would handle it. This is how I would lead. This is how I deal with teammates. This is how I deal with media. This is how I'd handle the coaches. This is how I'd handle my preparation off the field, on the field, in the weight room, health and fitness, yoga, stretching, Pilates, whatever it may be. I think it, it, this was just kind of the perfect timing for Gino. It was a coach that believed in him and an offense that he had been in. You know what? I'm far enough into my career. People can stop talking about what happened with the Jets, and I've you know <laughs> bounced around and been in different places. I've seen seen things that have worked. I've seen things that haven't worked. Give Gino a lot of credit for how he's been able to handle it, but more importantly, the coaching staff and how they've they've gotten the chemistry of that team working and, and the way they're handling their business right now. As we're talking, a thought that pops into my mind is there are so many ways to win in the NFL. There isn't one prototype. People point to quarterbacks, and that's great. But we've got some teams that are winning right now that don't have the best quarterbacks ever. Then we see different styles of play. Sometimes it's about divisions. It's about your matchups. Never dull, of course. It's the best reality show on TV. And there's a bazillion ways to get to where you want to go. There, There is 100%. And, and I've always said that Good coaches, or even great coaches, they they find a way to coach to their talent. They don't make uh. their talent go to what it is they're trying to do. And and I think we've seen a lot of coaches that are like, okay, you know, normally I want to throw the ball fifty times a game, but <laughs> if the best way for us to win is to run the ball fifty times a game and pass it twenty times a game, then then that's what we're going to do. And and I think you can find um, certain coaches, certain situations that are that are willing to do that. To your point, Amy, there are lots of ways to win. Some are focused, hey, we're, de- we're going to do defense, special teams, run the ball, not turn the ball over, high completion percentage of passes. We have other ones that are like, we're going to throw it 50 times plus and we're going to try and outscore everybody. We're going to do whatever we can to not make mistakes, not do penalties, not do self-inflicted wounds. I mean, it's there, there are a lot of different ways to do it, and, and you're right. I think the good coaches are the ones that are able to adapt and, and find ways to win with the talent they have around them, with the way the salary cap is set up, the way their roster is set up. And that we started off this conversation talking about the crazy season. I think that is a great way to sum it up. There's just different ways to win, and, that, and that's why people love the NFL so much. 
Perfect. On that note, you can find Trent Green on Twitter at Trent Green 10. He's a former NFL QB. You can see him on not only a CBS game of the week along with Kevin Harlan, but also Monday quarterback on CBS Sports Network. It's always good to catch up with you. One of these days we're actually going to have to run into each other in person, Trent, but thank you so much for the time. That'd be great, Amy. Great talking with you. Take care. How about that? What are the chances that Trent Green uses my Steph Curry analogy on his broadcast the next time he does a Chiefs game? (laughs) He might. Uh, That's pretty cool. And so fun conversation with Trent. First time in a couple of years that we've been able to talk to the longtime NFL QB. I apologize for the technical difficulties there. All right. On Twitter, A-Law Radio. On our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. We've still got QB news to get you set up for week number 10. You guys, we're going into week number 10. That's insane. Uh, Plus the U.S. men's national team, as well as the latest from the Nets. They don't have a point guard, but they do have a head coach. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. It's a touchdown Tuesday on After Hours. Firing for the end zone. Caught! Touchdown! Touchdown! Takes it himself to the pylon. One man to beat 10. He's gone. They throw in the end zone. Cut. Touchdown. Made a guy miss. He's inside the five. He's to the three to one. Tom Stokes. Southern Southing into the end zone. Touchdown. To cast your vote for the TD of the week, head to at After Hours CBS on Twitter or give us a call at 855-212-4227. The Chicago Bears. Field sends. Come out of motion to the right. Pair of receivers top of the field. Now he'll join them. A single receiver on the numbers to the near side. Snap is back. Looking to throw. Fields jumps up in the pocket. Now he's going to have to keep it himself. He runs. He gets the first down to midfield. Away at the 40. Fields to the 30. To the 20. Can he beat the angle? He does. He finishes. In the end zone. Touchdown. 61 yard. A Sunday stroll for Justin Fields. We played well today as an offense. Um, you know, O line block great. Um, receivers, you know, did what they needed to do uh, in the passing game, downfield blocking. So, um, you know, I think everybody did their part today. Just wanted them to stop scrambling. <laughs> and it was pretty irritating because he didn't listen at all. <laughs> Fantastic. That, my friends, is Mike McDaniel, who had a front row seat for Justin Fields scrambling to the tune of a 61-yard touchdown. Jeff Joniak with the call on Bears Radio. Now, the Dolphins won and extended their win streak to three games. However, 178 yards for one Justin Fields. I was blown away. He was perilously close to 200 yards rushing. That's phenomenal. Uh, It's most by a quarterback in regular season history, 178 yards rushing. And since the Bears offense, and really Bears coaches in general, have allowed more of the run plays for Justin Fields and and wanted to use his athleticism and really highlight his ability to move the sticks with his legs. Um, Because of that, you see their offensive numbers really take an uptick. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. So we've got two versions of QB News. One will be AFC, one will be NFC. And we also have the first comments by Jeff Saturday as the Colts head coach. Uh, If you were just with us a few moments ago, 
To start the hour, you heard what Trent Green had to say about Jeff Saturday taking over as a head coach and what the major challenges will be. So we're going to get back to football in preparation for week number 10. We've got the updates on Josh Allen. We've also got an update, and I didn't even realize we need an update, uh, but Sean McVay on his starting quarterback as well. Jay and I played a little game earlier. Who's the backup quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams? No joke. Neither one of us could come up with it. We tried. We threw out a bunch of names, and neither one of us could come up with it. Now, that's a tribute to Stafford because he never misses games. He's one of the NFL's Iron Men. He's he's like a RoboCop. There's parts of his body that they don't get hurt, and if they do, he doesn't feel it. We didn't know who it was. So if you want to find me on Twitter, A-Law Radio, and let me know who the backup quarterback to Matt Stafford is, don't act like you're Michael Duarte. Uh, he would know. You likely have to look it up, just like Jay and I had to look it up. Yeah, no cheating. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's social media. There's going to be cheating. Our phone number, 855-212-4227. That's 855-212-4CBS. And, yes, we're asking you about soccer slash football because the rest of the world calls it football. They laugh at me when I was in Ecuador, when I go to Cuba, even in where was I? I was in South Africa and then I was in Mozambique in Africa. So Western um, Western is where we refueled, but then we flew over to the Eastern side of, of uh, Africa and they're all about their football and don't understand our football. Though I guess we're introducing Europe to it. I wonder if there's a chance we would ever take Football a day Americano to the the continent of Africa. I don't I don't know about that. Huh. Asia? Do you think Asia's in play? Maybe. Maybe. I think Asia could maybe be in play eventually. Not yet. Within the next ten years, though, it's possible. I think Asia definitely before Africa. Right. I mean, I don't know how many fields there are anywhere in Africa. Probably not. Yeah. It would take them having to put in the infrastructure. But even when the US well, the NFL, sorry. When the NFL takes its teams to Mexico, they have to work on the infrastructure. They they put money into making sure the stadium is is up to snuff, but also the security. That's a major issue. Anywhere else in the world is the security plus the water and the food and all that kind of stuff. But the safety, it's completely different outside the United States. Heck, it's a challenge inside the United States these days with pink smoke bombs and everything else. So we're asking you to share your excitement level for Team USA and the 2022 World Cup. We heard from Marco earlier. He's bummed because Italy is not in it. Uh, I just think that it will be fun to see the United States shock the world with a team that has very few expectations. And we've got a match between USA and England that comes up Thanksgiving weekend, which is going to be amazing. Let's talk to Renee, who's in Dallas. Welcome to After Hours CBS Sports Radio. Hi, Amy. How are you? I'm good. Good. Glad to hear that. Um, shout out to, of course, you and uh, the crew there at the studio. Love the show. Big fan. Thank um, you. Just wanted to um, get your thoughts on my comment uh, really quick. Um, a lot of my friends and force family, they're always asking, like, you know, why are other countries better than us at soccer or football? And I always uh, mention to them, like, hey, well, um, we, our academy, or as far as our our homegrown league, MLS, just, it's, it's very new, and we just started academies. 
And in Europe, you have these clubs that have started academies since early 1900s, mid-1900s. So I explained to them, like, hey, you see, like, great legendary players come out of these academies in Europe, but, you know, we're not there yet. But um, besides that, like, what do you think we can do to, to get better as far as, as a country? And I'm going to hang up, and thank you for taking my call. All right, Renee, we'll talk to you during the World Cup. Thank you so much for your phone call in Dallas. And that's a great question. It's one that I pose to any soccer player or veteran, whoever comes on this show. We had a former professional goalkeeper, Jesse Bradley from Seattle, which is a hotbed for soccer. We had him on the show, uh, what, six weeks ago, a couple of months ago? Roughly. And, yeah, we were talking to him about how you can develop soccer to the point where it's a much bigger deal in this nation. So I will say just a couple of things about what you said, Renee, about our academies being younger, um, the United States soccer program being younger. That is true. Very often on the World Cup stage or on the international stage, the United States is battling nations who have made soccer their priority for decades and decades Not only that, but they pour all of their resources into it. It's the focal point of the governments when it comes to sports and athletics. And if you succeed in soccer, it is your ticket. It's different than in the United States. Our best players go overseas and play in various other leagues, usually Premier League, if they're at the top of their game. That's why Christian Pulisic is not with us all the time because he's that good. MLS is a very entrenched league with fans who are passionate in their cities. It doesn't resonate as much across the country, which is the challenge. But I love what Jesse Bradley told us when he joined us is that if you go into cities and towns all over the United States of America, kids are playing soccer. How does that translate then from youth sport to high school on into college and how do those programs then generate the best talent that we are growing here in the United States that we can keep and that we will then turn into our own team USA stars. Well, it's, it's a pipeline and it's a machine and it's a process and we've had a revolving door of coaches, which is part of the issue, right? Managers, managers, coaches. Um, We've had a revolving door. They haven't been able to get it right. Uh, At the same time, we're choosing from a smaller pool, if that makes sense. So it's not an entire nation of our best athletes who are playing soccer or playing football. No, there's a bazillion options for them. Not as many in some of these other nations. Now, if you go nation to nation, it's not as though the majority of them only have one sport. But very often, they don't have as many options as what we have here in the United States. And let's be honest, the bright lights, the money, and the profile, the fame, the attractive, sexy sport in our nation, the NFL, the NBA, certainly Major League Baseball, and we're getting more and more of an influx of youth, which is so good for the game. These are the sports that we pour most of our resources into, that we spend most of our money on, and that end up on TV most of the time. So part of it is the profile. Part of it is the attractiveness. Part of it is the pipeline. Here's what will work in the United States if we win. That's what will attract people 
to Team USA. That's what will attract people to the World Cup. That's what will attract people to want to play soccer. If we win, you'll see an explosion of soccer popularity in the United States. If we win, if we get to the knockout stage, you'll see an infusion of young people who want to play soccer. Do you know that's what happened when the women won their first World Cup? When they won on the international stage, what was it, 99 with Brandi Chastain and Mia Hamm and some of the greats? All of a sudden, tons and tons of little girls and little boys wanted to play soccer. If Team USA, the U.S. men's national team, can win a couple matches, can succeed in the knockout stage, I'm spitballing here, but can get to the point where they say they reach the quarterfinals with this very young team, it is going to inspire a generation of soccer players. Guys and girls who want to play soccer over anything else. Winning is contagious. Winning is exciting. Winning is attractive. We love winners in the United States. When Team USA is a winner, then you will see the ripple effects with soccer around the United States. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio.